Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Pre-Order Bonus Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Warren, and I'm joined, as always, by Jacob Price. Jake, it's November 2nd, 2023. Halloween is now behind us. Uh, video games, believe it or not, are still coming out. It's not <laughs> over. It's not over. Uh, Alan Wake 2 hit last week. I've been playing a little bit of that. And then, you know, the biggest release of the year is still to come next week. Uh, Tuesday That's right, next, next week. week. Stronghold Definitive Edition. Don't forget it. You know what? I just want to say for the record that I've been listening to all these podcasts and I've been reading all these articles and they're all yeah. saying the same thing. Nobody saw Baldur's Gate 3 coming. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody even knew what that was. And let me just tell you, Except- I knew what that was. I was going to say, accept Cameron from the pre-order bonus podcast, because if you listen to some of those early episodes from this year, you are all over that game. 100%. 100%. I knew in my heart of hearts, and I told you. I told the world. And now I think it's going to win game of the year. Uh, Ooh. And if it doesn't, then I will strip naked and run through my town and nice no i won't um get arrested no i mean so <laughs> they probably that was taking it too far i'm bit. sorry i'll reel it back <laughs> no i mean zelda will probably still win because i don't know but <clears throat> i don't know listen listen hear me out hear me out um okay okay, okay. i kind of think the case is being made that zelda Tears of the Kingdom does not win Game of the Year at some of the biggest outlets. It's obviously, I mean, we've got we've got like a batch of games that are going to win Game of the Year at different outlets, you know. But like, what will be defined as the Game of the Year? I I kind of wonder if uh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom won't because um, its narrative, despite it being, I think, better than Breath of the Wilds. Um, it is still, it's just too empty compared to narratives that we're seeing in other game of the year contenders. You know what I mean? Uh, did you see this meme? Somebody posted a meme because like after shoot spoilers, I guess, but you have to, after you do some of the like main quest steps, there's a cut scene that sort of gives a little context to how that main quest ties into the main story. And it's almost identical in order to accommodate the fact that the game is open world and you can do these main quests, like dungeons or missions in any oh, order. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. You yep. see that? like, And people people are kind of agreeing with that, where it's like, this narrative was a little too shallow, despite like it having the coolest physics and like viral clips of all the wacky stuff that people have done in the game that are still going viral even these many months afterwards i think that that might prove to be a thorn in its side when it comes to game of the year maybe so i mean maybe so i think mechanically that game is still pretty wild and crazy and i i mean it's still one of my top games of the year i think it's it's been overshadowed by at least one game for me um I will say that our Spider-Man 2 prediction, I think, is not going to come true, uh, at least for me personally. Not that it's bad by any means, but I don't think it's I don't think it stands toe to toe with the, the juggernaut, the other juggernauts of this year. Yeah. And, and be on the watch out because or, or be on the lookout is what I mean to say, because our episode on Spider-Man 2 is coming out. And if you've been a longtime listener for us, or at least from 2023, you know how hyped we were about this game. And Cameron and I have a lot of praise, but I think we've got more criticisms there than we anticipated. Fantastic game still, but that episode right. is coming within the next few weeks and uh, it'll be it'll be a good one to listen to. Yes, it will. Well, Jake, what have you been playing uh, over the Halloween time and last week or so? Well, I've I've gained some confidence after finally beating, uh, finally playing and beating Resident Evil Two Remake, where I started playing Alan Wake Remastered because I was like, oh, I'm gonna try to beat the first game before the sequel, or not before, not before the sequel comes out, but before I was gonna start the sequel. So I've been playing a little bit of Alan Wake Remastered. Um, uh, you and I hopped in with a friend of ours. Uh, shout out to Rob Zor. We played some Deep Rock Galactic, which I had a really great time playing. Um, 
Did you did you not play that when we played that like last year around this time? I played it. You didn't, did no, you? I played it. Or did you? Um, oh, okay. And I thought it was like fine. I don't know. This time around though, like something has clicked with that game and me. Um, probably because the last time I tried to play it was after we had played it about a year ago, and I tried playing it solo, and that game is just not nearly as exciting solo as it is in a group. No. <laughs> no, that is a game that I think you need at least one other person to be playing with. Um, yeah. But yeah, we played that. I've been playing a ton of Super Mario Bros. Wonder, obviously. Um, I've been playing a ton of Spider-Man 2. I just beat Solar Ash, and I just started... Uh, forgive my French, because I can't pronounce this word. Jusant? Jusant? I don't know. However the French would say it. Justant. I have no idea. <laughs> How us Americans would say it. But you know, that game... Jusson. Jusson. Something like that. Jusson. Jusson. I don't know. But I've been playing that. And, uh, dude, that game has been a massive surprise. I played through, like, the first chapter of it, and I love it, man. Like, that game was... or I haven't beat it yet, obviously, but that game is really good. I really like it. Yeah. No, it's... It's very cool. Um, yeah, I've, I played Jason. Obviously, Jake said we, we played some more Deep Rock Galactic. That game is just great. It's it's super solid. Yeah. Just multiplayer fun. It's a ton of variety in the game modes. Great uh, like art style with like shockingly great lighting. Yeah. That kind of makes everything like really just kind of look, look greater than like I think it, you know, you I don't know. It, it kind of like beats your expectations a little bit. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's um, no super fun. It's got a great like loop to it and just kind of fun multiplayer. Also, I've been playing Alan Wake two, which is um, yeah. I mean, Alan Wake two is Alan Wake two is wild, <laughs> dude. I'm this close. Alan to Wake starting two it. is yeah. yeah. Alan Wake two is one of those games that, as an experience will probably st- probably stand uh, potentially above the rest as just like a media experience that's doing a lot of really weird stuff, mm-hmm. like really weird stuff. And it's doing it really well. And it has just these sort of interesting mechanics in it that I feel like you just are not really doing in, in, in many other games at all. So it's just a really unique, cool experience. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I don't know if it's going to be like my favorite of the year by any means, but, um, but it's pretty dope. Yeah. So. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, if you had asked me about Alan Wake two, probably two months ago, I would have said, yeah, I'm probably going to skip this. And then our discord, we asked them like, Hey, what games do you want us to cover before the year ends? People voted on Alan Wake two. Um, and then I was like, okay, fine, we'll get it. But, man, I am feeling FOMO real bad. I am very close to dropping <laughs> most every game I'm playing and be like, all right, what is the deal? I have it. I own it. it I, it's, I see it every single time I boot on my Xbox. But I've been holding out, and I think my uh, my patience or my willpower is running out to just not figure out what all the hype is about. Yeah, I feel like you're going to have to play this, Jake. Like oh, you're, yeah. yeah. You're definitely going to have to play it before the end of the year. Um, yeah, still lots of good stuff out. Uh, looking forward, obviously, to Stronghold next week. Um, yeah, I think, and then uh, Mario Super Mario RPG later this month. Yep. Uh, Avatar game could surprise us. I don't know. I, I the previews look pretty dang good. I got to be honest. Yeah, we've got the Avatar game. As far as indies go, Spirit T finally got a release date. That's November thirteenth. Yes, Spirit T. So that is coming out, um, man. I don't know, but we've got we've got a whole lot going on. I I um I don't know. I'm excited, but I'm also excited to get towards the the game of the year conversation. Cameron and I uh, we haven't quite started pinning down that episode because it is going to be a doozy <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, my mind is kind of headed towards as soon as it hit November. I was like, all right, it, it's time to start thinking about. Uh, what were the best games of the year and what were my favorite games that I played this year as well. Uh, some people in our Discord were sort of asking, 
hey, what games you guys are like kind of the top of your list so far? And so I've really been thinking about it. And I think it's obviously that episode is going to be a lot of fun, but it's going to be pretty tough coming up with with uh, winners, in my opinion. Yeah, that will be uh, there's just there's a big list. There's definitely a big list. So, yeah. Well, Jake, let me address uh, some bad news, which as all of you, if you listen to the show, you probably heard uh, Bungie, the company I work for, has had some very unfortunate layoffs this week. And I can't comment on the whys or the whats or anything other than to say that I did not get laid off. Yay. Um, So I have a little bit of survivor guilt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I can can say that much. you know what I what I think I can say is that uh, this I think I have to at least somewhat agree with Paris Lilly who tweeted uh, a few days ago that 2023 is no longer the greatest year in video games, right? Because of despite all the the amazing titles that we've had, a lot of people at a lot of different companies have lost their livelihoods because of this industry. Um, so I don't know if, <clears throat> and I don't really know the reason for it. Uh, I think one of the, one of the guesses that I have, um, and it's not really a guess it's, but it's, it, maybe it's obvious as that the market is incredibly crowded and maybe yeah. a crowded market is bad for the big boys in the ring. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And especially the big boys who have been dominating the ring for so long, at least the past four or five years, right? Where it's been sort of the the one-two punch of the Fortnites and the Warzones and the Apexes and the Roblox and the Minecraft, right? Where they're kind of just sitting at the top, GTA Online, they just kind of sit at the top and kind of everyone sort of rides way below them. And when you suddenly have this influx of incredible games from all across the industry, from all these different genres, suddenly people have a lot of stuff to play. Yeah. And I think it just makes it, it's this year, it's sort of come to a head where it's come to a head with like the live service games where I think the industry really, really showed up this year. And so for those games, it's been a struggle. And then you have obviously the pandemic where Mm -hmm. nobody was doing anything else, but play these types of games that they can play every single day. And so you have these massive boosts of numbers and how does capitalism work? Right. Uh, you look at Fortnite where they got, uh, you look at Epic where they got all this money come in during COVID, all this investment money, bought all these companies and then they all flopped because they couldn't maintain the momentum. So, yeah, anyway it's tough and and i'll just say it's just somebody who speaking from my own experience when you kind of wean yourself off of any type of mmo or any type of live service game and you discover that there are lots of good games out there it is really hard to go back to that live service model um because while it's it's fulfilling uh, you might realize, yeah, but all these other games are also fulfilling too, and it's fun playing something that is different. And it, you know, that's kind of the trap of live service games is that you're kind of stuck playing one type of game. And uh, what what happened in my case is, as soon as I kind of started branching out to other games, I realized, oh my gosh, I have all these itches that aren't being scratched because I've been playing this one game, and I've kind of become numb or immune to those itches. And as soon as I let myself play all these other games it is extremely difficult to get drawn back into live service games so i i don't know i think that's part of it because of the pandemic people are playing a lot of games they're playing a lot more games 2023 comes around and there's this massive variety of games that are scoring they're coming out of the gate with like a minimum of 90 on metacritic you know and when that happens and if you're paying attention to gaming social media at all and you're like oh my gosh this game Everybody loves it. Like, let me check it out. You know, it's it's really hard to go back to that sort of giant life service game that that you had sunk so many hours and in, in, in money into. It's hard. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the good part of this, the if there is something good to say, is that 
this will push companies and teams and individuals to go harder to figure to to make better stuff mm-hmm. uh it, it, inevitably it's not the way that you want want it to happen i think especially if you're you're someone working in one of these companies but ultimately it's going to push people to make better products and it's going to result in better stuff and that's just the reality because if you survive it's going to result in better stuff yeah right because you're forcing yourself to kind of dig deep and figure out how do I make the game better so I can keep it alive. Um, Speaking broadly and speaking generally, uh, this is not commentary on, on my situation, you know, on my company situation, just, just kind of general gas service games. Yeah. um, Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. That is the one thing that's coming out of this in the dream scenario is that you have that type of mentality coming forward but with the employee retention, right? That's the dream scenario is, is how do you keep all of that talent on board? And there are so many examples actually in the industry, despite all this bad news that we're hearing about from Epic and from other studios, right? Where um, like having that sort of talent retention just allows for, I think a more streamlined or maybe cohesive process in developing games and the example that I'm going to is is from software. Now, of course, we don't really know very much or I don't know very much if there's like a crunch culture or there's some downsides there. But from what I understand, there's high retention there. They make a specific type of game and they make it extremely well. Right. And I, I would love for that to be sort of the scenario going forward um, after 2023 where studios figure out, hey, this is the type of game we make. It's really we're really good at it. And now let's have people stick around so that they have the expertise that the studio has collectively so that they can like build into that and and just become like top-notch experts in the gaming industry at what that studio produces right that's the dream we've got we've 2023 i think has shown if anything that like the games industry is not nearly exhausted with ideas and creativity and quality but that can be pushed even further we just need to figure out this retention aspect of it so we don't have to wake up to another week of, hey, hundreds of people just got laid off because some people didn't figure out how to deal with the pandemic, you know, wave, um, which I'm generalizing. And of course, I don't want to like compromise camera at all. I'm not saying that about any company specifically, but that is part of the tendency that we're seeing with a lot of these layoffs. Yes, it is unfortunate, but hopefully hopefully this leads to good things and you know, I hope the individuals who got laid off, um, you know, these are super talented folks. I hope they quickly find new employment cuz there should be money in these companies <laughs> <laughs> to hire people, There's, at least in theory, if it's not the one that you just got laid off from, it's yeah. it's somebody else, right? I know so. it doesn't work like this, but in my brain, as soon as I heard about, I think it was the Epic layoffs, I thought, hey, didn't Activision Blizzard just get $69 billion? Any chance that they could hire on 900 folks with that money? Um, I I think, obviously, I'm speaking out of ignorance because I don't know exactly how that money gets spent or how it gets used. But the other part of me, just looking at it, face value is like, okay, there's, there's money in this industry. Why are people being laid off? You know, what, what is, what is the disconnect happening there? But obviously, we could talk about this forever. But we've got to talk about enough money. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, with that, we can transition to our game for this episode, which is speaking of Nintendo, another big Nintendo hit of the year, Super Mario Wonder. Jake, how are we going to break this one down? We will be talking about Super Mario Bros. Wonder in our classic four categories. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, sort of buckle up. This is how a lot of these episodes go. First one uh, category is narrative. So we'll be talking about the story, themes, storytelling. I mean, folks, it's a Mario game. So this might be one of our shortest categories tonight. But that's what we do first. And then secondly, we'll be talking about mechanics. So this is how you're interacting with the game. This is the first uh, 2D Mario in forever, and so we're going to be talking about this game and obviously the legacy that Mario has in gaming, but we're going to be talking about the mechanics and and how this game does more than just jump from platform to platform. 
Uh, next, we'll be talking about the gameplay loop. And so this is sort of the, the patterns baked into the game that help you progress forward into the game, that keep you engaged, that keep you excited about playing. And then finally, impact on the industry. Um, with a game of this caliber from this high profile of a studio, we tend to sort of talk about what it's doing with trends very broadly. Although obviously here we'll be talking about maybe maybe briefly the state of 2D platformers and other things that Mario is doing and how Mario is still sticking around. Um, but yeah, this is this is always a fun category for us. We tend to speculate a little bit, see who and how uh, different people are taking notes on on the game that we're covering. So in this case tonight, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. So that is how we will be breaking down uh, this game on tonight's episode. Well, Jake, Super Mario story, um, <laughs> you know, that's your basic your girlfriend go to a different world and gets taken by actually that doesn't happen in this game it actually it's a little different <laughs> we have actually doesn't yeah we have something different <laughs> in this game <laughs> peach is not so lost in a the castle. mario the mario college friend group <laughs> you know it's luigi it's the toads it's it's peach it's uh what's the orange princess's name i can't remember daisy daisy they head off to this little uh flower world and they meet with the king and they're all having like a good old time kind of cruising the Mario multiverse and Bowser shows up. He eats a wonder seed and then he like turns into an evil castle. And then you got to go help this king of this new new world that you're in take down Bowser, which is what you do. Uh, and you do that by getting super high <laughs> on wonder seeds no grabbing wonder seeds and making crazy stuff happen i mean is i don't it, think there's it, any more else to say about the narrative than <laughs> it, isn't that it i mean uh mario finally embraces in the 21st century how insane the idea of mario was you know 40 years ago um <laughs> hey let's just take Let's just take this random plumber, right, and throw him into the Mushroom Kingdom and have him jump on dudes um, and eat mushrooms. Like, that's it, right? And I feel like they're like, okay, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Uh, Wonder might be some type of, I don't know, insinuation here. Maybe the PG way of saying Super Mario Bros. gets high. But, like, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the narrative here, I, there are... There's Prince Florian, who's some, I don't know. Prince slug. Florian. That's what I meant by the king. Yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, what's his... He, he I don't know. He's, he's like a, a slug caterpillar man thing <laughs> with a flower yeah, his, blossom his, on his head. His citizens seem to be little flower pods. Yeah. But he's like a caterpillar. Yes. Of some kind. That he rides on Mario's back. Yeah, he rules with an iron uh, fist because as a caterpillar, he could just eat a bunch of flowers if he was up to it. So he's <laughs> he ruthless, rules by brutal fear. dictator. Rules by fear, yeah. There's no agency or freedom amongst his citizenry. No, okay. I don't know. We're making stuff up because this is a Mario game. And, I mean, no offense, Mario games. With the the story doesn't matter. Mario. It doesn't matter, guys. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It, it, the story doesn't matter. All you need to know, all you need to know, as I heard people say in New Jersey all the time, is uh, that Mario is just going around trying to save the Flower Kingdom. Mario. That's how you say it. On the East Coast, it is Mario. Um, Mario and Luigi. <laughs> that's but, a horrible... I'm so, I apologize to anyone from New Jersey. If you're, uh, they're not offended. They're fine. Now you want to offend somebody from New Jersey, <laughs> you you ask for a scooped bagel. Do you know what that is? A scooped bagel? No. Okay, sorry guys, we gotta deviate because we're filling time because Mario Super Bros Wonder has no. I story. mean, the Mar this is this is Trist tracks, right? Because isn't Mario from like? Okay, he's not from New Jersey, but he's from Brooklyn, okay, right? Canonically, right? From the movie, like super, from my the Mario movie. lore. Yeah. My Mario lore people, you know, correct us if you want to. He's from he's from New York, right? Um, and this is true of pe people in New Jersey and New York are really protective of their bagels. 
And I got to admit, best bagel I ever had on this planet was from Morristown, New Jersey. So the way to offend these people is to ask for a scooped bagel. And what a scooped bagel is, is you have your bagel, it's cut in half, and then you literally like go around the ring of each half and you scoop out like all the bready parts, which is the bagel shell. And um, Why would you do that? If you are insane. I think that's what you like, do. Like, I don't even know what that is to ask to offend someone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, Learn anyway. Every day. Mario only serves, you know, I'm sorry, my New Jersey accent's bad. I haven't practiced it in a while, but Mario only Mario. serves. He only serves bagels, not scoop bagels. Bagels. That's bad. Oh my gosh. New Jersey folks, you're offended. It's okay. You're allowed to throw stuff at us. But, um, I don't think anyone... The analytics says no one from the East Coast is listening, so... <laughs> they are now. The East Coast. This is going to be like a, a hate viral episode, and people on the East Coast are going to be like, these dudes talking about scoop bagels and doing bad accents, man. Anyway, Mario, yeah, what happens? Um, you run around all these different kingdoms. Bowser Jr.'s in there. They're all like doing crazy psychedelics with these wonder seeds. Um and you you want to set things right and help Prince Florian get the Flower Kingdom back in order. And um, let me tell let me ask you something about the Wonder Seed, right? So if it's a seed, then by nature, it plant it gets planted and turns into some sort of plant. Is that? But I feel like there are no Wonder Plants in the game, right? That is the assumption is that they would turn into Wonder Plants. Now, uh, to be totally honest and, and transparent with our listeners, I am almost, I'm like a third of the way into world six, which is the last world. So who knows? Maybe there's a wonder plant with the Bowser yeah, Castle boss an battle. Spoiler. Maybe that's, okay. that's pure speculation though. But honestly, uh, there's no indication. There's been zero foreshadowing that perhaps the Wonder Seed would become a Wonder Plant because after you beat each world, you get a royal seed. So a part of me thinks that these seeds just become bigger seeds and they don't actually germinate. But interesting. My gosh, it's yeah. But to get back. <laughs> well, I guess let's a little talk more about serious, the... No one cares about the story. It's it's fun. <laughs> yeah. My kids, my kids actually, what they do. They didn't really get into Mario until the Mario movie. So Mario movie, you did your job. They're all like, mm-hmm. oh, it's they just transplant the personalities uh, from the movie onto the characters. Sweet. I'm going to play as Luigi because Luigi's silly because he's afraid of everything. Or I'm going to play as Toad because Toad was hilarious in the movie. And that's that's about as deep as everything gets. Let's talk about the mechanics, which is the most important part. Super Mario Wonder. Uh, I mean, look. <laughs> it's a Mario game, so it's a platformer. Uh, but they they went all out here. I think yes. this is like, this is the next level, next generation, you know, handcrafted step up in the Mario 2D pantheon like they 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 went all out like they did the thing on this um yeah i think they treated this like you know like a 3d mario almost in the sort of zaniness and like how they advanced the formula from older 2d titles which most recently was like the super mario bros u which then they put on the switch uh i'm not forgetting any other 2d marios am i no that's no that's they they ported the they ported that Super Mario Brothers U to the Switch, which was actually originally, I think, a a 3DS game, I want to say. I think it was. Um it sounds like it right. was Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, something like that. It was that was a port. The Wii U game was a port of the 3DS game, and then the Switch was the port of the, the Wii U version. Yes. Okay. Nailed which it. nobody plays because nobody bought a Wii U. <laughs> but <laughs> But anyways. Yeah, they took that and they just kind of went all out. And so I think mechanically, some of the interesting things that they've done um, is the whole feel of the game, I think, has been overhauled. Uh, and that 
that's in like the animations and how everything looks and feels. Yep. And let me just tell you, they went all out with the animations. Like they are bonkers. Just the the amount of quality in these animations is stunning. Like just really stunning. And they do stuff where they'll use an animation once and they'll just yeah. do a thing once because of the wonder things that happen, which is like the big mechanic here is like you're running through the level you're jumping, you're doing your thing, you're knocking out Goombas, and then you'll come across a Wonder Seed, and then that will add some crazy zany transdimensional powers to the level. Yeah. That kind of just blow it up. And it's different every single time. It's different. I have not seen anything repeated like in these. You grab a Wonder Seed, and you don't know what you're going to get. It's wild yeah. the amount of creativity and variety. Uh, and that's sort of the basis of like, the new mechanics. There's a lot more stuff. There's like, there's interesting stuff and Jake will go into some of that, but right off the bat, those two things just advance this title, I think to the next level. Yeah. I mean, it's at its core. It is what you would expect from a 2d Mario. It's a bunch of platforms. You're going from left to right and you just want to get to the flag at the end and you want to hit the top of the flagpole. So, you know, does says wonderful and you slide down it and then you get a wonder seed to move on. But yeah, there are two wonder seeds per level for most levels. Uh, for I would I would say for every standard level, there are two wonder seeds. And getting the one that's in the middle of the course, like Cameron said, drastically shakes things up. Where uh, suddenly the platforming is going to be different. And um, so mechanically, yeah, you're just trying to get to the right side of the level after starting at the left side of the level. But I have to say, I and this might just be a generational thing. I don't know exactly. I typically have not been the biggest 2D Mario fan because a lot of times I feel like they're just brutal as heck, especially those older games, man. Holy crap. You could, And hey, older gamers out there, you can call me a little baby. It's fine because those original Mario games are tough as nails. Um, but the part of the reason I, I didn't really like them is because I felt like they were really floaty and that every single level felt like you were in an ice level where you would slide a bunch. So timing was always hard for me to just get comfortable with i don't know what they did in super mario bros wonder or maybe i just it finally clicked with me but the platforming has never felt tighter in my opinion here um it's the best it's to me the best feeling platformer i've ever played it uh, it feels incredible and um it's i think it's like an assertion of dominance (laughs) nintendo's like uh (laughs) by the way mario is the king of 2d platformers i don't know if you've all forgotten this but yeah in case you forgot no one can touch how this feels so just you're you're canceled you're done you're done it's over don't even try to attain this level um the other thing i want to mention mechanically is that you unlock badges and um yes this is another huge addition this is a huge addition and i i love this addition where uh they're kind of divided up into two camps one i feel like there are orange ones and blue ones and the orange ones will add or um, enhance some type of basic ability um so for example one that you can unlock is you can get like this crouch jump where if you crouch and you hold it down long enough you'll jump vertically much higher than you would normally. Um, And a lot of these sort of movement mechanics are just classic and old school. Like if you dash and then jump, you'll be able to generate a little more momentum and get a little more height than if you were just walking or if you're standing still. And so getting a bunch of these orange badges are going to manipulate that. The one that I use a lot, ironically enough for somebody who dislikes 2D Mario's floatiness, is one that actually adds a little bit of floatiness and height at every single one of your jumps. Um, yes, I use that badge quite a lot. There's another one that just like increases your dash speed and, uh, it makes it so that you can dash better on certain, you know, terrain. And so those things, I love that because you can kind of customize your play a little bit in there as well. If you're like, man, I struggle with this aspect of Mario platformers. Hey, there's an ability here that probably shakes it up or it completely adds a brand new ability so that you can get through levels more comfortably. And then the blue ones, I feel like, are more um, more power-up based and less movement based. And I haven't used the blue badges that much. But for example, one is like automatically start with a mushroom power-up. So you're never playing as like 
I've been playing as Luigi. So you know, I'm, you're never playing as little Luigi. You're always playing as big Luigi as you go through um, the levels. And and then there are other ones that are much more along like those lines. One is like uh, if you fall into a pit or lava, you get one free bounce out of that pit with this badge per level. And so it's basically like uh, a quick little safeguard, you know, for for people. My kids actually really are into this. They're not huge Mario fans. They like Super Mario Odyssey. And they love this because they get to customize with the badges and sh- and change them up if they're having issues with the level. They're like, oh, you know, I'm going to put on a blue badge and this will help me out here. I love the badges. I think they're an amazing addition. Yeah, super great. Um it's cool to have those and it, and as replayability, right? Cause like you can go back to different levels and switch your badges out. Um, which for like the, the completionists out there, that's going to be key. I'm sure like going back through these levels and trying to get all the secrets and all the coins and, you know, make sure you land every single thing and get that hundred percent. Like I'm sure you're like, you can already see situations where like you need, to have a certain badge activated in order to hit certain parts, which is great and like adds replayability. The other big mechanic here, I think, is um, to talk about is is obviously local multiplayer, uh, which works fantastic. You can play four players, and they have this whole roster of characters there, yeah. right? So you can play as Mario, Luigi, um, Daisy, Peach, and then the Toads. But then what they also added is you can play as Yoshi. So you, so instead of riding Yoshi, you can play as a Yoshi and the clutch. This is why this is the clutch family game of the year (laughs) because the Yoshi is invincible and other players can ride on top of you when you play as Yoshi. So if you're like going through a level with your kids and it's frustrating because they're you know, five and want to run ahead and die <laughs> you, and, or they're like getting frustrated at a part they can't get through. Like some platforming section, you but just, Hey, just like jump, jump on top of me. And then you can just run them yeah. through it. Uh, which is amazing. Like quality of life is like out of this world, uh, from that yeah. standpoint. Um, but that also reminds me, have you tinkered with the online, uh, stuff? No, I was just about to mention is there's also you can enable online play. And then what happens is when you play the level, you're getting like almost like a Dark Souls, like FromSoft style shadow players <laughs> who are also playing the level at the same time as you. You will see them on the screen. Yeah. And so it's this like sort of you know, almost like massively multiplayer where you're playing with other people, even though that you're not technically playing with them, but you play the level, you can kind of see what they're doing. You can see, and it helps for discovering secrets. Uh, and it's just kind of fun to like, see other people playing the level. I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a cool addition for sure. I've mostly been playing online. Actually, I've been playing almost the entire game, uh, single player and online. I, I freaking love the asynchronous multiplayer here. And it's, to some degree, it's like not even asynchronous, but for the most part, it is, I would say. Um, and I love the type of creativity that comes with asynchronous multiplayer. And so part of what happens is like if you die, you'll be a ghost for five seconds. And if you can quickly speed either to a, a fellow player who's in the mission or in the, in the level or to like there's these little um, like cardboard cutout like flip things. I can't think of the name that they have for them in the game. Or if you run into one of those, then you'll kind of like be resurrected, but with like base health, like with one life. And um, I like this a ton because it allows you to be really helpful. If you see a ghost speeding towards you, typically you can just stop. They can run into you and then they're back into the level and you can feel like you help somebody out um, by leaving the little like cardboard cutouts um, uh, around they're essentially a signal for like where secrets are or a lot of people tend to place them in where where people die really often. And so if they die as a ghost and right. maybe it's something that's unexpected, maybe the level is just trolling you really hard at this one point here. There's typically some sort of workaround thanks to somebody else who's been playing the game. Um, I just love this type of interaction. I think it's so much fun. And if you're playing single player, so... Uh, what you can do is there's a, if there's a part where you die, uh, maybe often there's a difficult platforming section for you. You can kind of just get to that section, wait, and if other players are around, you make your attempt 
And if you die, you can essentially just get a free checkpoint by running into other players at that same spot until you figure out how to get through the platforming section. Or if one of their fellow players is way ahead of you in a level, um, you can just spam through, because as a ghost, you can fly through everything without taking damage, spam through the tough section until you reach the other person, and then you'll just kind of resurrect past the difficult section. So maybe that sounds like cheating, easy baby mode. I don't really care. I think it's cool because it's a fun way to interact with other players, and it is immensely satisfying to to help somebody find a secret or when somebody helps you find a secret that you were just going to blow past. I love it. I think it's an amazing addition. Let's talk about the gameplay loop. Um, this, this part of the game is pretty similar to other games. I think main difference is that instead of progressing through the different worlds and then like the end world will have the final boss is that you have Bowser is a castle like literally turns into a castle yeah. goes and floats like in the middle of the world. And that what you're doing is your goal is to gather. Um, oh my gosh. What are the big seeds called Jake? Like the big ones, Royal, Royal seeds. seeds. You're gathering these Royal seeds, which come from doing these like challenging levels in the different parts of the world. And when you get them, you will eliminate um, one of Bowser castles giant um man my mario terminology is not what what are the chompers big chompers they're the cloud piranhas the cloud piranha oh my gosh piranha jeez um yeah so then when you get one you can eliminate one of those and so you progress through the worlds and you continue to eliminate those until you get all of them and then you'll do the, the end of the game but um, a couple little flourishes they added is like when you go to different parts of the world, it's not just, um, it's not always just like linear pathways. Like you'll reach these little sort of open things where you can choose the level that you want to do and like what order you want to do them in, uh, which I think is just adds a nice like flourish to it. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it, right? <laughs> That's it. I mean, I think levels are really only going to take you five minutes to get through. Um, Most levels, like I said, every standard level is going to have two wonder seeds. There's some sort of quote unquote bonus levels that will award one seed or will award a badge in one wonder seed. And you typically need about, uh, I think it's a minimum of like 15 to get through a world. And there will be some like... um, checkpoints where it's like hey in order to access the the rest of this world you need a minimum of seven wonder seeds or 11 wonder seeds at this point to get through to to the boss or to the just next section um so yeah i i I like that um i've been making significant progress in this game and i don't play more than i don't play more than like 30 minutes at a time and i feel like i get a lot done in a play session right um, I really like that. I enjoy yeah, that. It is, it, I just played with my son for, you know, probably 45 minutes tonight. And I mean, we did probably six or eight levels maybe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just, we just did a lot of content and it all felt very satisfying. Like it wasn't super frustrating. It's, uh, you know, he dies, but it has a very forgiving like death mechanic where you just appear as a ghost and you can kind of run back to your, uh, to get revived. And it's, you know, it's really easy. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just really smooth. Everything is just really smooth. I, I just, I haven't run yeah. into anything like in the loop that just like is causing any frustration. Now that being said, not at the very end of the game, just being candid. Right. And, um, have not reached like the end game. And I real and I know that there are specific challenges that are super challenging, but mm-hmm. they come later on and are like not going to interrupt like the flow of the game in any way from what I understand. Yeah. I would say that's absolutely the case. Levels are ranked from like a one to five star difficulty where I'm at the, at the game, which is, you know, the, the last part of the game, the end game. Um, you get into every world and the first levels are always like two stars of difficulty and by the time you get to the last part, the final level might be four stars, right? And so I feel like the pacing is is established to the point where, hey, like, let's get people through this game, you know? 
And like you mentioned with um, you, you don't have to complete the, the game. Isn't like entirely linear where you have like these sort of open areas where you can pick, maybe you only want to do four out of five levels there, or even like three out of five you, but you're really comfortable with them and you can easily get both wonder seeds in a, in a level. So you don't need to do all five. And so you kind of just pick and choose which ones you want to do. If one is just frustrating, you just kind of pick something else and move on. So yeah, the, the gameplay loop here, like you said, it's buttery smooth. There are really, really very few snags, if any, as you're trying to progress from one world to the next. I'm all like, like I said, I've never had a play session where I get into it and I'm like, (laughs) no progress here. Unlike Elden Ring, where I was stuck three nights on, on a boss. You know, where I was like, crap. Tonight in this game <laughs> session, I managed to go from dying consistently on one, like three fourths health to one half health. That, and that's tiny, the tiniest measurable progress ever. Super Mario Bros. Wonder is the complete opposite. You're always moving forward. Jake, any other thoughts on the gameplay loop or mechanics here? Um, I would say to just throw one criticism in. I, I've played a little bit of two player and I don't like how the camera operates in, in multiplayer. Um, that is a great call out. Yes. This is, that's like my one big flaw. Yeah. This is the flaw. So I was actually playing with my wife once, uh, you know, we were doing multiplayer and we had hit, um, midway through level, we found a wonder seed and it gave us this ability to jump vertically, like really high. And so to accomplish that segment, you needed to move vertically through the level and you covered quite a lot of distance. This was a problem because in multiplayer, the camera follows one person and it's hard to tell when it follows one person. So frequently, because we weren't timing our jumps at the exact same time, one person would be way off screen. And in fact, so off screen that they would automatically die. And so, yeah, so like, I know this is like a fringe case, like hyper specific scenario. It was a wonder seed portion of one level, um, but it really drove home the point that like hold up this camera actually does not function in all scenarios like in all multiplayer scenarios and then just like in a more regular level every now and then just having the camera jerked away from your character just doesn't help yes and it also so the way the camera works is it picks the leader depending on either who just died or who's like leading in points or the last person to get the higher point on the flag. Okay. And it switches off, (laughs) but this is especially problematic when you're playing with a kid and he's like running way far ahead of you and you're just like, I can't keep up and he's going to die and then you die. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't know what the solution is for this. I, I'm trying to think back to the other games. I think maybe the screen like gets wider and then it reaches like a lock point. I don't, I don't know exactly, right. but yeah, like the level you just mentioned, we actually just recently oh, did really? that, and I was thinking to myself like, how is my kid gonna like stay with me on this? Like it's impossible. He's just dead. Yeah, um, yeah. Because in that level, and and I know this is, I'm saying it again. It's a very specific case. It like just automatically kills the second player. Like, if you are not the one who's in screen, you just die. That's it. At the same time, one of those Wonder Seed effects where you're like, what the crap is going on right now? This is, like, really cool and weird. And, like, I don't understand this game. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, This game definitely takes Mario to its weirdest. To its very weirdest. And it's great. Let's talk about impact on the industry. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not sure... I mean, look, this is Nintendo in their bag. Like, nobody does it like Nintendo. Like, they, they just don't. Like, they they are the kings of create. They it's we it's it's weird because they don't make anything new, but simultaneously they make the most new stuff ever. Like, they they just take their franchises yep. and they constantly find ways to evolve them while still maintaining like the core aspects that make them all time, like generational hits, but then continue to evolve them in ways that like surprise and delight you. And it is just, they just operate on a different level. And one quick stat I'll throw out, which is absolutely wild. Listen to this. All right. Four of the five people 
who worked on Super Mario World for the Nintendo. Super Nintendo worked on Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Talking about employee retention. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, the stat is that Nintendo has 98.8% retention. Holy cow. So, essentially, if you go to work for Nintendo, you will never leave. You'll never lose your job? Oh, my gosh. Um, Obviously... I don't know. I mean, there was stuff coming out, I think, what was it, a year or two ago about people not being very content at their work at Nintendo. Um, but I kind of feel like going back to a conversation at the beginning of the episode, there are definitely lesser, there's a lesser evil there, right? Um, is your company consistently like laying off people or is your company retaining people, um, but you need to just be better with the people that you have that you're keeping? Um, I do think that there's a lesser evil between those two. But anyway, getting back to this conversation about like Nintendo broadly, holy cow. Um, it's funny because I feel like for maybe not our generation, but maybe for our kids, right? It would be easy for them to look at something like Mario and be like, yeah, Mario's the game that my dad played when he was a kid, but I'm into Roblox, you know? And then Nintendo releases Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and it's like, no, this this is, you know, this is a franchise that has its own legs, that's not living exclusively on reputation or its classic status or its history, but this is a franchise that deserves to continue to be around because it's still good, like it's still quality. You, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it totally does. It's It's like pan-generational like so many generations all have been surprised and delighted by mario and they keep doing it right it's never it never gets stale it never fails right to surprise it like my son loves mario it's his like favorite thing that's crazy you know he's five years old this is the franchise that's been around for decades and decades at this point and it keeps reinventing itself um and it's literally like his favorite thing like he was mario for halloween and you know, seen the movie like 500 times. So it's just wild. And then like to piggyback that on the fact, like you would think, especially in a technical field, like game dev, you think like, well, you want new people to come in and kind of shake things up and like bring new ideas, but it's the same people. Yeah. It's the same people. That's wild. Right. Like that they can get this creative and this wild with these franchises. Zelda being another example. I think the game director for that, I'm trying to think of the story there, but he, I can't remember when he took over. It was either Ocarina of Time or Wind Waker. I can't remember, like, they've had the same people working on this, on these games, like, forever, and they continue to find ways to reinvent. And there's something just in the lifeblood of Nintendo that just keeps these things so fresh. I think Mario Wonder is one of the best games of the year, for sure. And it's definitely the best family game of the year, which, you know, it is a big deal. Yeah. Okay. I had to pull this up. Um, the uh, I don't know how to say his first name. A. G. Aonuma, the the director of the yeah the, the Zelda, Zelda guy. guy right? Yeah, uh, I'm just kind of I pulled up his Wikipedia page real quickly. Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time was director slash dungeon design, and since then has been director, supervisor, or producer on That's right. pretty much yeah. every single Zelda. So all the main lines from Nintendo, right? Um, he's been uh, a, a director. I think, or in that type of position. Producer, it looks like here for Skyward Sword HD, Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and then it says producer or like supervisor for, uh, let's see, the Capcom Zelda games and some of these sort of offshoot Zelda games. But yeah, um, to your point, I I 100% agree. Like, I, I think that game dev, right, it is, a, is it is a, it is a technical field and the technology is constantly evolving and we see lots of conversations about that. But I, what I love about Nintendo is that they trust so much in the human in the human creativity behind video games, right? And we see this with the Switch, which by and large is considered to be like almost obsolete game hardware at this point, right? But within the bounds of that game hardware, because they have such powerhouse experts when it comes to game design, they're still able to produce The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom 
and Super Mario Bros. Wonder and have them come out in the same year. You know what I mean? And this reminds me a whole lot of 2017 when The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey came out in the same year. And those were both Hallmark games for those franchises and for Zelda, or excuse me, and for Nintendo and for the Switch. And so if we want, this is what I think is like, if we want to look at Nintendo and draw something from them, it is that allowing employee retention does not diminish creativity necessarily. Of course, you need new people and need new blood in there to shake things up. But these people are creative people. And if you give them time and resources, they'll keep creating new things. You know what I mean? Um, to me, there's just like a level of trust, I almost feel like, with having these people on for so long that they're able to continually reinvent something like Mario and have it still be relevant and not feel like, oh, well, they took a shot in the dark and it sucks. You know what I mean? But to, to keep those franchises alive. Yeah, you get they have these this talent that's been there for so long, which like you're working on sort of making these games and making the next one and making the next one and making the next one. They're just getting better and better and better uh, with, you know, obviously some exceptions, you can't bat a thousand, yeah. right. But you know, they're probably batting nine, 900, which is kind of wild. And, and they also have a financial model that is super successful. Yeah. Like every first party Nintendo title is going to sell between like 10 and 30 million copies. <laughs> which is just insane, right? Just insane levels of success. Um, and it just works really well for them. They just have this niche that, that kind of nobody else has. Nobody does it like them. And I don't think really anyone else can. And that's yes. the problem with like going too deep into it is that it cannot be replicated. It's impossible. You can't do what Nintendo does. You cannot replicate it. It's its own thing. It can never like you can't adopt it you can't like take steal their model like whatever it is like you can't do it so yeah um yeah it's the magic of nintendo for sure and you see it in spades in this yeah game. And i i totally agree and i feel like we're kind of repeating what we said in the impact of the industry category for tears of the kingdom nintendo's been around forever they have tons of money and they with that money they use it to give developers time right so what we learned about legend of zelda tears of the kingdom is that it was like feature complete playable like a year before it launched and they just were allowed they had the time and resources to give that team a whole extra 12 months to just polish the game <clears throat> which that game mechanically probably needed it because that game mechanically is a marvel right um but but imagine like that game just came out so beautifully right and what's the biggest shame to me, I think, is that, um, like you said, Nintendo is kind of uh, unreachable when it comes to this, but it shouldn't be. And I'm looking at you, the Pokemon company, right? Like, <laughs> if, if, if we're going to talk about, like, other companies that have, like, established history and they have lots of money... That sh I just don't understand, though. Like, why is it that Nintendo is willing to give The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom another year when you have people who are, are in that weight class who are not? And the Pokemon company definitely comes to mind, right? Like, how... I mean, listen, I we did an episode on Pokemon um, Scarlet and Violet. I liked Pokemon Scarlet, but I cannot ignore the criticisms that I think are really valid about how unpolished that game was compared to something like The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, right? Or even something like, um, I, I know they're different, but like Super Mario Bros. Wonder is beautifully polished. The game is smooth as heck, right? Like how come a company like the Pokemon company that has tons of money, how come they don't have time to give resources for polish, right? On, on some of their games. Um, and I don't know. I don't want to drag other, other game companies. Maybe because they don't need to give it time because every time they put a game out, it sells like 50 million copies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you wrong? No, but I do feel like Nintendo's, but they should Nintendo's in a position to do that with some of their games. Shoot. Like even Pikmin four, which I played this year, which is probably the triple a underrated game of the, the year for me, because I loved it. I think it's really wonderful. But that game, for example, 
smooth as heck, polished as heck, you know, and it's a smaller franchise. Like, no offense, Pikmin, and I love Pikmin 4, but are there, how many Pikmin fans are there? Like, especially if you're comparing it to Mario, Zelda, or Pokemon. Sorry, Pikmin fans, you can shut off the episode now. You have my permission. I've insulted you, right? But it, it, and I think what I'm trying to get across is just sort of my frustration with um, how is it that this game industry can make so, so much money um, and how is it that these big, big, big companies, these big game companies, I'm specifically talking about them, like what is happening with the disconnect between the amount of money you have, like employee retention and allowing time for polishing games? And of course, I'm very much being an armchair dev and an armchair like financial advisor right now. And I recognize that. But I would love more transparency, like Epic, especially you run Fortnite. Like you run Fortnite, you know, you're making a ton of money. Why did 900 people have to go? Really? Like what exactly led to that? I I want that transparency because if not, I'm just going to speculate about it. I mean, we know, we pretty much know the, the, uh, the Epic situation is that they overwrought, they overreached when it came to acquisitions, all, almost all of which like didn't pan out uh, in areas, including like, nfts and vr and stuff that just didn't. nfts man yeah i i had forgotten about those um, <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean in other cases i think it's uh it's a question of risk mm. like boulders gate 3 is is the other one where sven i don't even i never know how to say his name sven wink sven winky was sven sorry everybody Winkle, we're americans I, I we could pronounce things in spanish but not any other language anyways point being they uh, they took every dime and there it's funny actually i think i can say this on a call today somebody called larian an indie studio <laughs> uh which larian is no longer an indie studio <laughs> like I, I don't know how like they delineate these definitions but um uh boulders gate 3 had a 300 million dollar budget but that was not like external investment it was they literally bet the house on boulders gate 3, yeah which is if the game does not do phenomenally incredibly well like very very well the studio goes down goes under yeah so it was that kind of project and so it's a question i think a lot of times of is a studio willing to put keep pumping the money in and like keep hanging on and like uh, it's not quite looking good enough. We got to give it another year. We got to give it another 18 months. Yeah. And that all is millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And it's, it's a question of like putting good money after bad, right? At that point, yeah. it's like, all right, do we just like put it out there and sort of recoup, hope, hope we recoup some costs and just call it a day? Or do we let it brew and at the risk of like, well, maybe it doesn't pan out at all anyways, and then you've like gone another year of development. So I think those are the things that happen. But, you know, again, that's to your point. That's me armchairing. Uh, yeah, I think you have a good point there, though. Right. I mean, it, we and that's where there's definitely a lack of transparency is like, what exactly is the risk? Right. And I get why studios don't want to tell the public that. But um, because but they are telling their investors that. And the the real shame, right, is that um what happens to their employees when it comes to dealing with risk and how they decide to deal with or not deal with risk, right. In in developing or excuse me, delaying games and I guess just game development broadly. Okay. But coming back, the, the last final thoughts I have about super Mario bros wonder in terms of impact on the industry is folks, there is a ripe opportunity here. I believe indies, Make the weirdest 2D platformer of your dreams because there's a market for it, man. I know that Super Mario Bros. Wonder doesn't like they they'll they'll throw in a weird mechanic for one level and never touch it ever again. But a part of me is like, like indie devs, you know I love you. And if you have the weirdest mechanic idea for your 2D platformer, it just might work. Like it just might be the hit that you want. I, I would love for for more weird mechanics in 2D platformers. Um, and this isn't so much a criticism of Super Mario Bros. Wonder. I think it is a very good thing that they just have, like, one-off mechanics in all these levels with the Wonder Seeds. Um, but, like, from 
Super Mario Bros. Wonder, I feel like there was the potential to create a dozen different 2D Mario platformers that focused on just one of these weird mechanics. And that's where I feel like um, like the indie arena, the indie part of this industry could be like, hey, what is our one weird 2D platforming mechanic that, that kind of works? We could make a game around that and we could sell it too. People like that. I think people are really enjoying that part of this game. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the Pre-Order Bonus Podcast talking Super Mario Brothers Wonder on Switch. A fantastic game. If you have kids, you must by law, by international... International gaming law. United Na- International gaming decree. You must own this video game. Yes, it's perfect family game. It's fantastic. If you've been on the fence, don't hesitate. Yeah, um, this is... This is a big recommendation from two dad gamers, right? Uh, two thumbs up 100%. From, from Jake and Cameron from the Pre-Order Bonus Podcast. If you have kids that are interested in gaming and you want a game to play with them, this is it. And play as Yoshi and just never die. And it's perfect. Play as Yoshi and never die. Uh, yeah, leave us. If, if you like the show, you made it this far please leave us a review. If you've been listening for a while and you haven't left a review, please just quickly go on there. Uh, leave a review, leave your thoughts. That's like the best thing that you can do for people to find the show. We'd love to continue to grow uh, and continue to get more people to listen to us and like the content that we work on every week. Uh, you can also support us on patreon.com slash You can sign up at the digital deluxe edition, uh, $5 a month. Gets you, uh, gets you early access to these episodes, access to extended editions of our shows, and then access to Jake's indie impressions, um, as well as other fun goodies that we do throughout the year. Uh, you can find us on Discord. Uh, link is in the description for our Discord channel. Come join us and chat about video games, uh, about life, about food, college football, whatever it is. Always fun conversations going on there. You can also find us on Twitter, at PreorderCast. You can find me at Mass Generic and Jake at Jacob underscore ChipDip18. Thank you so much for listening and have a great night.